Hola gente, I'm Claudia Duran. I'm one of the writers, directors, and producers of Chicanas Cholas y Chinze, and you are listening to Love, Locuras, Arte. Today we have some really, really special guests. Um, they are part of the Teatro Frida Kahlo 10-Minute Play Festival that is playing this January and also going into February and March, and they are from the first wave. So we have some really great writers and directors who've been part of CCC in the past, and they're here to talk to us about the arte of virtual theater. So I just want to say hello, everyone. We have Elvia Rubalcaba. How are you today, Miss Elvia? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And we also have Carmelita Maldonado. How are you, Carmelita? I'm doing great, Claudia. Happy to be here this morning. Thank you for joining us. You guys are both involved with Apaz Girl, correct? And this is a play that Elvia, you wrote and directed, and Carmelita, you were assistant director. Can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration for writing this piece? Um, it was a few months after my father had passed away. Um, so it, I am a creative nonfiction writer, so um, the story meant a lot to me. It was something that actually happened. Um, of course, my creative take on it, you know, melding a couple of weeks into one moment. Um, but it was really important to me to honor mine and my father's story and this complex character of trying to figure out um, of what what she's going to do with an alien parent and, and, and confronting those fears. I had the opportunity to see it at the Short and Sweet and was uh, part of the workshops as well. So I saw its development. I have to say, having seen the transformation of this piece and seeing the adaptation for the Teatro Frida Festival, I was really, really pleased. And I just thought it was so freaking cool, uh, the work that you guys did. Can you tell us a little bit about that process of adaptation, adapting the piece, the story, for this world that we're living in now with uh, within the pandemic. Yeah, I was really excited. You know, we submitted and we thought we would be able to go on stage even when things weren't completely locked down. We thought, okay, if everyone took care of themselves, we can possibly stage it and film it. But a couple of, um, you know, of us felt uncomfortable meeting in person, you know, because of the people that live in our households and our own health. So I went with my dad and let's do no non-contact theater, you know, and I took a workshop with Latino um, Theater Alliance um, and there was a workshop that kind of dealt with it and, um, and I did a lot of research, but I knew that because it's so personal and because this is something new, I needed a team. And so I brought in Carmelita Maldonado who was in the original um, cast of a Paz Girl. Um, and then I brought in Santi Samano, who's our technical director, uh, also an actor in El Arroyo and technical director for that one. And I'm so appreciative that everyone just thought outside the box. We were like four minutes over one night and I'm like, how did this happen? And she waited until all the actors left and she's like, you know, you know why it's long? And I'm like, no, why is it long? She's like, because it's 11 pages. You have to be vulnerable. You have, especially when it's something new, like a, this medium, and just go for it. You know, fight your fears. But with everything I've learned with CCC and my own, you know, the my own things that I've done, you know, it's just like now or never. Let's just do it. We're going to be in this. The teamwork makes the dream work. That's really awesome. Uh, Carmelita, yeah. having been in Apaz Girl at one point and now looking at it from the point of view 
um, you know, of assistant director, what were some of the, the major changes that like you noticed in this incarnation of Apa's Girl? So one of the major changes was that now it was up stories even more in your face and it, it was very personal. So that was a change, but it, it adapted so well. And, and playing the role and seeing somebody else play the role, uh, Elena did such a wonderful job. Um, I really like seeing that, that that change. And you know, when I acted in it, you don't see it, right? You don't see yourself, you're in it. So now I was seeing it. And it was a really beautiful experience to now be on the outside of it. My all my thing was to make it more natural. Everything had to be natural because this is Zoom. It's in your face. It we can't be too stagey, right? Unless you're unless you are making it a stage play. But this was not a stage play. What's really beautiful is like you feel like you're, you know, tiny beautiful moments. You know that. Um, that unless you get the Zoom link, you're not invited to, you know, that you don't get to yeah. witness. But it did. It had that natural feel to it. And that was really, really great. Today, this this piece could happen. Tell us a little bit about the decision um, to make that happen and adapt it that way. Elena and Gabriel were just like, you know, raise the stakes, raise, raise them higher, make it now. We're in Zoom, like make it about that they're in the pandemic. And so I think I took it back for rewrites or cuts like twice, Camilita. And that was one of them. And I felt like it really helped, you know, bring everything together. Our next guest is Miss Elena Campbell Martinez. She was an actress with original Chicana Chola y Chisme, the OG, very first one. We call gente like that veteranas. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is great. I was really happy because I, I knew this play. I had seen it at the Short and Sweet Festival uh, the year before, and I loved it back then. And I said, absolutely. So I was like, yes, I'm all in. And then, of course, as soon as I said I'm all in, I was like, wait a minute, what about the pandemic? How am I going to do theater? Is that too scary? Is that dangerous? And then she said, well, we're probably going to do it online. And I was like, super. And then I was like, oh my God, what does that mean? Are you really do it online? I don't even understand what that means. And so anyway, I had a little bit of a roller coaster there, but you know, actors were just like, I'm just happy to work. But also I just love this play so much. And I love Elvia so much. I've been a fan of her since she started with CCC and uh, it was just thrilled to get to collaborate with her. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, as an actor, like the process that you guys went through in terms of adapting a theatrical piece for a virtual stage? Yeah, it it was interesting at first. Like I assumed that we would be doing the play every Friday night, every Saturday night in January, that we would all get on our computers and do the play. And then they explained to me, no, we're going to do the play, we're going to record it, and then edit it together in some way and then present it so you won't actually be doing it live so so we did it without an audience and the it was interesting because the rehearsal process was surprisingly intimate because you know we were just like our little you know faces in these little boxes you know that we were talking to each other and interacting with each other and even though I never got to see any of the other actors in person live and touch them. I still had very intimate experiences in the rehearsal process and with Elvia and with uh, uh, Carmelita, who was the assistant director. So that was really cool. That was a very cool learning experience because I was kind of worried that it might not be that way. 
the pandemic has kind of heightened the stakes for all of us in terms of isolation and not being able to be with our people when we want to be with our people and to support them when they're going through something hard. So it really served the story. You know, it wasn't just a technique thing. It was that the being in the pandemic served the story and, and actually served the, the, what it was about. Can you tell us a little bit about the Amma character that you played? Tell us how true it is to, you know, to life right now. Abba's girl was with my play that I had directed. So I, I saw it over and over and over again. And when my sister got to see it, we were sitting next to each other and she would look at me in the dark with these big eyes and she leans over and she's like, does this girl have a microphone in our house? Because the conversations with Ama seemed very reminiscent of conversations with my mom. And uh, and then, of course, by the end, both of us were just bawling because the Apa character reminded us of our situation that we were actually living in that moment with my mom. And so I felt like I knew Ama from the inside, you know, before I even tried to step into the character. Um, you know, she's, she's, she loves fiercely and she is very strong willed and she's not apologetic. So all of these things are my mom. And so I totally identified with her, um, from, from the beginning and she's fun. You know, she's funny. That's what we always uh, used to laugh about with my mom was that, you know, we could be in the middle of a big fight and she would say stuff that would just make you crack up, which of course then she would throw a chancla at you for that. But <laughs> that's hilarious. No, I know. I love that character, uh, especially when you know navigating this new kind of technological landscape. You have this really fun character, and you know she's like trying to figure out, and she's yelling at her through the through the the Zoom meeting, and she says, "I don't Zoom." You know, it was really really great. <laughs> Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, the necessity for this, this comedic, um, aspect of this really, you know, troubling time. Tell us how you, how you balance that. We're always living through hard things, right. In our lives. And one of the things that I, that I think I learned over this past year is that, um, for me anyway, it's been a very kind of enlightening experience to go through the hard things that I've been going through personally, um, while I've been very conscious of the fact that every single person in the world is now also going through some of the same stuff that I'm going through. And my way of dealing with hard things my whole life in my family and for me personally has always been to use humor to balance things out. And so I love the fact that that this character and, you know, this play had so much humor and so much charm because that's just how we live. That's how we survive. Um, you know, we lost our mom this past year in the spring. And um, and my sister and my brothers and I, we, we used humor when, you know, when we weren't just crying. And sometimes when we were crying, <laughs> we used humor to get through, you know, some of the stuff that we had to get through. I'm I'm very sorry to hear that. My condolences, you know, I know that can be a tough time, especially during this time. So my condolences to you and your family. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to, you know, be with the ones you love and laugh with them and cry with them and, and heal. You know, it's, it's so special and so, so wonderful that you, you have that. Um, exactly. Thank you. We have a very special guest with us today, 
Angela Estela, the writer of Dirty Laundry, that's part of the 10 Minute Play Festival for Teatro Frida. How you doing today, Angela? Great, thank you so much for having me. I have to say that I really, really loved your piece. Uh, it translated really well, and I, I got the opportunity to, to see Dirty Laundry uh, on the main stage at Casa 0101. And I mm -hmm. really, really love the rendition that you guys have now for the 10-Minute Play Festival at Teatro Frida. Can you tell us a little bit about the changes that happened or had to happen in terms of putting it on stage onto the smaller screen of a, of a streaming virtual theater space? This piece has also been in Spanish. It's a Spanglish piece, but, for, uh, but it was mostly English with some Spanish in it. And so for our Tijuana audience, I made it mostly Spanish with some English in it. So still Spanglish, <laughs> the language I grew up with. Um, but yeah, it was fun to adapt it to a new audience. And um, it, was, it was great to uh, see and hear their reactions to it. I submitted it for the Frida Kahlo 10-Minute Theater Festival, and it got accepted with the, um, with the request that I reduce the amount of characters. So originally, I think there were seven characters. So I actually combined three characters. You know, when the, when the shutdowns first started, we didn't know when we were going to open up. So we were very hopeful that by the time the festival came around in January, that maybe the theaters would be open and we could do it in the theater. And it um, quickly became clear that that wasn't going to happen. So uh, the group of, uh, you know, because there's 10 plays in this theater festival. So the 10 writers and directors and um, Ruben Amavisca, who is the um, producer and creator of this festival, were like, okay, how are we going to do it? You know, Zoom, YouTube, um, filming on the stage. It was very interesting, just kind of the pro the brainstorming process of what we wanted to do. And um, my director is Diana Romo. I met her at a Brown and Out Festival, which I was a director of last year as well, of 2020. Wait, 2020 or 2019? <laughs> Whatever the theater was. No, yeah. it must have been 2019 because 2020, the theater was closed. So, yeah, we were directors together in that festival. I handed it over to Diana. I trusted her, and um, I'm really happy with the results. What were uh, some of, was... um, can you tell us a little bit about those changes that uh, you kind of, in terms of giving your script over to Diana, whom I, I love watching her work as a performer as well as a director. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like and what changes you gave liberties for the director to go ahead and, and make? Well, first of all, because the play takes place in the laundromat, she wanted to film it in a laundromat, you know, and um, it, it, it's interesting to see this festival, um, the different locations, um, uh, you know, some, some everybody's on Zoom, some people are on stage, some, you know, and so mine just happens to be in a laundromat. And uh, it was, it, it was interesting. And also because there were people at the laundromat who were, were part of the play so um you had real yeah. life extras huh real life extras that yeah, were in the background extras. that was really cool i really enjoyed being able to capture the the idiosyncrasies of your main character can you tell us a little bit about that inspiration in terms of when you came to casting uh what are some of the things you thought about in terms of casting 
putting out a call for actors that um, are neurodiverse and, um, you know, so that that so that that role could be, you know, have representation. And uh, so we we wanted to be as sensitive um, to the character and to the community as possible. You know, you're a little bit of all the characters. Which one do you feel closest to in terms of, of the characters? Well, um, since this was based on a true, you know, a, a, an actual interaction, one of the characters is based on on me. Um, but I also, you know, since I have had my own issues with uh, mental illness, um, you know, I I felt close to that character as well. Um, and of course, the mother, I'm a mother as well. And um, I've also been people who don't have compassion on whatever day if somebody is, uh, you know, what I think is being annoying or whatever and not having a compassion of like, you know, maybe this person is having a bad day. Maybe this person has an issue, you know, so I can see myself in all the characters, you know, people who jump to conclusions. So, yeah, I think that's one thing that I really appreciated about the writing that I wasn't able to see before was that I was really knowing you as a person. I was able to see all these little bits of you in a very um, up close way that embodied you as a person. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that observation. I appreciate it. Also on the show today, we have the writer of El Arroyo, Miss Roberta Martinez, and we have one of the actors here who played the role of Humberto from Arroyo, uh, Mr. Ruben Perez. Thank you guys so much for being here today. What's up? Hello, hey. thank you for having us. Hola. Good to be here. And the characters began to talk to each other. And there's a story, a couple of stories in our family um, that have to do with the, the experiences of the characters. One of them was my maternal grandmother who would cook for her philandering husband and his mistress, and she would send comida. And I know that when she sent the comida, she would make sure that she sent the comida in a chip plate so that the mistress would know that a message was being sent to her about who she was and about who you know my great-grandmother was, all of these kinds of things. And, and another thing was the another story in our family was a woman who um, actually was the biological mother of my adopted grandfather, granduncle. And her husband was a philanderer. And he was the one who really literally would lock her in. And the whole experience about um, her being stuck inside and her husband being outside after having been stabbed is an actual occurrence that took place. So it was just beginning to start to write the play. Um, and then the two kind of melded together. You know, characters begin to talk to each other, right? After a while, their voices just start to, to go on. Um, and then refining it. And trying to figure out, okay, so it would have been really easy to make Umberto just a plain old villain. Um, but there's more to all of us, right? Whenever we're, we're acting out or whatever we might be doing. 
And so it was a matter of trying to figure out, okay, so what are the words? How do we tweak things around so that we see more of who he might be or of what he might be losing? And then being lucky to, to, to meet Ruben via CCC. And we were interacting with each other in a 10-minute musical, right? At, I <laughs> at remember. At CCC last year, right? Mm-hmm. And so he came in and one day he was supposed to confront me and be snarky and he touched me. And he just, but he did it like, you're beneath me. I'm putting you in your place, right? And I heard cast members kind of go, oh, and I thought, oh, I want to work with this man again. That's wonderful. You know, Ruben, uh, having you here, thank you so much for being here as well. Um, You were part of CCC uh, for 2020. And we, you know, we had to stop in the midst of the pandemic. I mean, you played this character, Umberto. Who, who is, you know, philandering and abusive, but also is, is caring about the future of his child, right? So how, how was that um, to, to play this role? Because so many of us in the beginning of being um, uh, under quarantine, we were all terrified. Like what happens to people who have to be in homes or locked up in their homes that, that they're not in a safe place, you know? And they, you know, how, how was that for you, finding all those complexities? Uh, it was interesting. Like I... Uh... When they told me about the character, we, well, I mean, we talked about it and, like, kind of, like, what motivates his character and, like, his background. Um, so, Roberta and uh, Elvia, like, we, we talked about it. And when I read the script, you know, I was like, okay, like, I've never played a character like this before. But I was interested because, at least for me personally, I know this person in my family history. Like, and it was around the same times, 1915s, 1920s family member that did stuff like that. So it was not to that extent, but that was about that, you know, that mentality. So it was, you know, so I could pull from that. And then I, you know, obviously there's been a lot of films that deal with like a man like this, kind of like controlling, you know, just kind of wants it all and just doesn't really care about everything else. But it was interesting because I actually just watched Pants Labyrinth and that guy that the the general was like, kind of like, I was like, oh crap, like, yo, this is the guy that I'm playing. That's Humberto almost. And he's expecting a baby. So I was like, wow. You know, I wish I would have saw the movie before, but I actually saw it after I did the play. But it was, like, interesting because it's like, yeah, this guy that, that uh, you know, wants it all and is, like, he's got his wife and he wants to over here mess around and his baby and he's excited. And it's like, I don't think at any point we really even said, like, the sex of the baby. So it's like, it's interesting for him to think that it, it could be a boy. And, like, I don't know, maybe they both thought, I don't know. It was it was it was interesting. Like I just had to play with a lot of stuff, but I had stuff to pull from to kind of get me to that character. Well, that's beautiful because it's a, the 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 hope, right? The hope of change, the hope of the future, and perhaps that's something that can can spark some light into that character, you know. And and that's beautifully um, beautifully portrayed and in, in, in your writing, Roberta, and and in your performance, Ruben. So really awesome job. What was it for you in terms of like originally thinking, you know, this is a theatrical piece. And now I have to change it up and switch it up. Were there any changes and switches that you had to do, Roberta, or or your team had to do in order to put this thing up there, put this piece up there? Only a thousand, <laughs> only a thousand different little things. The the challenge was, you know, we have Ruben who's over in the Silver Lake area, sort of, and we have Elvia who's in Santana. We had. Amy, who did a beautiful Julita, who's in Boyle Heights, and we had Santi, who was in San Diego. We were together one time. The four of us in, whenever it was, October, 
We're in my living room because we're being really, very, very, very cautious. All of the windows were open. All of us had masks on and all of us had our coats on because it was a cold day. Um, and so from the get-go, we just had to, to switch to that more personal or taking a million takes to figure out this person should be coming this way versus they're coming that way. Um, trying to block when you're using Zoom is a pain in the nalgas. I understand that when I when I did the reading for for Teen Dad, we had we had different time zones. So we had actors who were in New York, in Texas, and in California, and then working also, um, you know how how we could present this as a reasonable reading of a full length play. It was it was just different. You know, it's a very different beast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ruben, we talked a little bit, you know, Roberta had mentioned the the blocking and whatnot. Um, for you as as an actor performing for theater versus performing, you know, for film is different. How is it different uh, performing for Zoom? This was my first time also, so I didn't really know. Like when they approached me, when Elvia and Roberta like asked me, I was like, okay, well, I've never done a Zoom play. But I was like, hey, why not? I'm going to give it a shot. It was different, though. It was it certain like you can't really move and i'm just used to like doing big movements and like actually like you know like scenes like with me and uh amy i'm like dang it would have been cool like just to be with her because she's my wife and just but it's like we just had to build that chemistry through a lens and it took a minute but yeah the, the like the blocking was i think at one point <laughs> like when i had to crawl like <laughs> i hope you guys like just start crawling and then like kind of come up into this thing i'm like all right hey you know, why not? Let me try it. And it did help like the performance, like towards the end when I'm like crawling. And so I, it was, it was interesting. I mean, I, but I would do it again. It was like, it was cool. It's different. And it's just like, now you just different variables that you got to mess with. And, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting. It was my first time. So it was like, I was excited just to kind of see how it was going to come out. So when I saw the finished product, I was like, all right, yeah, this is pretty dope. Like they did a good job. We talk about the playwriting during the pandemic as a form of uh, active resilience. What do you see in hope for the future of virtual theater spaces like the 10 Minute Play Festival? I love that you mentioned about for this for the other play of getting people from different time zones. When we did auditions, and that was one of those that's like, okay, let's do auditions. I didn't know what I was doing, but I'm like, we're gonna do it. And we're gonna do it on Zoom. We had people call in from Colombia, from New York, from San Francisco, like all these places. And um, this was amazing. And I, I hope it inspires us to do more. Like I hope it inspires us for CCC to do this for our plays and that anything is possible as a writer, director, and producer. I hope, I, I would like to see for the future that people can see if they have you know, if you have a really good story and you get some really good actors and you don't have a bunch of equipment, they can see, oh, maybe I could do it through Zoom. And this is literally, you're filming a little mini movie through Zoom, right? It's close up, you're not filming, but it'll get the ball rolling, it'll get your stories out. And, you know, now people, I think people will see that they have more access to putting our, putting our stories out there, right? And then also what I think this platform does very beautifully is now 
it opens it up to people all over the world. If you, hey, my tia in Mexico, in Colombia, wherever, New York, hey, friend, check this out, check this out. Because we've all made so many connections and work with so many people from so many different places. Don't get me wrong. I love the theater, but this opens up another round. We're so underrepresented as a community. Things, there may be some people that do want to have change as far as representation goes, but we also know until it's somebody who's a showrunner, until it's somebody who's, you know, you've got the corporate support, all this other kind of stuff, not going to happen for a long time. Even if people are, you know, even if we're taking baby steps now, we can take bigger steps with this. We can put our stories out there. We can adjust to the platform. It's really clear because we've seen a lot of people doing that. And, and we can develop an audience that might not go to the Frida Kahlo. I'd say that, that the more we all just focus on telling our stories and telling our true specific stories and, and the people that are writing, God bless you, because the writing of it is where it all starts. So if you write something specific that's true and honest and heartfelt, it will connect. It will connect with people you never expected. I, I'm not Korean and I can watch a show about a Korean American immigrant and just be sucked in and love it. You write your specific stories and everyone will come. I want to get back into a theater. I want to be an audience in a theater. I want to be an actor in a theater again and, um, and just be a community member in a theater. And I can see how what we're learning in these virtual spaces is going to benefit us moving forward and and expand the theater experience and um you know maybe in ways that we don't even fully understand right now one thing that i i always said was that you know we'd have theater goers and audience members that are like oh i wish my my grandma in sacramento would see this or i wish that you know my my best friend in in tijuana would see this or you know we have a lot of that that happens with the ccc festival and so we had talked about how can we stream how can we create a, an even more global uh, experience and national international experience for the stage and i think you know, this pandemic has sort of forced us to catapult us into really thinking about how to translate this and how to how to make something like this possible, you know, whether it's using actors from across the globe or across mm -hmm. the country or whether it's, you know, being able to. You know, I think there was an audience member in like London or Australia or something like that and, you know, viewing the the festival. So that was really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, because that is another thing like um, family members that don't live here are able to, you know, they weren't able to ever come to my shows and now they can very easily. And um, and yeah, being able to work with people from other parts of the country, other parts of the world, um, it really is making our theater community, uh, like you said, the, the global community is becoming a more intimate community because of this. You know, we have to learn how to include these rituals that are so meaningful um, into the, the way we're doing theater right now, that we, that we don't lose out on those things that are so special and so important. That's a good point, you know, the ritual of theater and, and, and all of its various rituals, right? We always talk about whether as a performer having a ritual or as a part of the crew, you know, and the, and the writing team, having ritual beforehand, circling up, all these fun things that we do um, to just connect and, and reconnect. 
I, I remember opening night because I had my, my virtual ticket and, um, you know, just texting, messaging on the Facebook thread to all the writers of CCC, like, hey, break legs, all of those involved tonight, you know, and being like, oh, yeah, I wish we could, like, take a shot together. I wish we could, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> that kind of stuff. So that was really, it's a good point to bring up the ritual of theater and what rituals will we create for the virtual space. I definitely was missing uh, Ruben's uh, mole, you know, oh, his bomb Oh, mole. yeah. <laughs> and I was missing the simple things like his coffee with like the gazillion different flavored creamers. I have become aware of flavors of creamers that I never thought existed, like, you know, Reese's peanut butter cup creamer. And I have to try them all, too. Um, enjoy. <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to maybe say to other writers who are venturing into this virtual theater space? Is there any advice that you would have for them? Keep writing or if you have or start writing if you haven't been writing. Um, there are playwriting classes going on right now. Um, there are plays at readings of plays play festivals that you can watch get inspired get ideas um and the plays can be about what you know what we're going through right now they can be about covid and the pandemic or they don't have to you know you, you the sky's the limit your imagination is limitless the second session has another group of wonderful plays including claudia doran's play descansa in tijuana and uh, Maria G. Martinez's, who I co-directed, Yo Soy Joaquina and Carmelita Maldonado's beautiful, beautiful touching piece. Happy Tuesday um, is also part of it. $12, 10 plays. There's a, a number of beautiful, wonderful, strong pieces in the festival. Um, so I hope you get to enjoy it wherever you are in the world, safely in your homes. There you have it. Get your tickets at FridaCaloTheaters.org. You got one more weekend to check it out. Next month, there'll be a whole new set of plays coming in February and then again in March. Thank you for joining us today, gente. I'm Claudia Duran. You were listening to Love, Locuras, Arte.